Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome back to Fans from the Stands, the second podcast. So, any number two, I guess. <laughs> I'm Mickey T, and I'm along with my co-host Ivan Roy. Ivan, how's how's the week been? Week's been good. A little bit of uh, baseball news happening around the league, so that's good. So, uh, yeah. hopefully, we'll talk a bit, a little bit about everything that's kind of going on. If you listen really quietly right now, you can hear the crack of a bat somewhere in Dunedin, Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, pitchers and catchers. It's my one of my favorite times of year. Pitchers and catchers are reporting, so that means baseball is right around the corner. Um, I don't care if it's spring training baseball. I just want to watch some kind of baseball. Yeah, five uh, days. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's coming and uh, can't come fast enough. If I'm gonna be stuck at home, I might as well watch baseball. So uh, I guess we should start off. Uh, this isn't baseball news, but we were just talking uh, before we started recording in sports news. Uh, Tiger Woods got into a, a bit of a collision, I guess you could call it, uh, today. So we uh, obviously we wish him all the best in his recovery. Um, what, what do you think, Ivan? Tiger Woods, the best golfer ever? Well, he's right up there. You know, yeah. you got Jack Nicklaus and, and then Tiger, I guess, is what you'd have to kind of go as one and two. Or two and one. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really interesting to see had he, you know, stayed away from the whole, like, sleeping around thing. <laughs> uh, getting chased down the street by his, ex, by his ex-wife or, uh, you know, his, uh, his impairment charge and all his injuries. What would have happened had he uh, just stayed the course, right? Part the nice thing is he's, he's still young, so he's still got some time. Well, hopefully he recovers from this car accident. Um, you know, like winning the Masters a couple of years ago was nice to see him back out there and performing at a higher level yeah it was it was really nice to see tiger woods just come back right it was one of those uh, cinderella stories that actually came to be right came yeah. to fruition so anyway so we thought we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention tiger woods but moving on to baseball news i don't know ivan if you're as happy as i am about this but Derek Fisher era is officially over in <laughs> Toronto. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing who that player they get. What basically anybody's, you know, is going to be a good return. I mean, a, ba- a bag of balls would have been good too. So I think a bag of balls would be twice the value that Derek Fisher is. I'm sure he's a nice guy if you talk to him, but I can't, I can't for the life of me. Well, I can't, I shouldn't say that. I, I think the, the Jays analytics wise, I mean, he's got, a great velocity on his uh, on his swing. Um, I guess he takes a lot of pitches. I, I just he was that guy that never really panned out, right? Analytically, he looked like he should have been a stud and just yeah, never panned out. Yeah, and and knowing that the uh, the Houston Astros really you know just had a glut of outfielders, and that was the guy that they chose to kind of you know give up. Kind of shows where you know where he kind of stood in there and their list of prospects and the Jays just hoped that he would be uh, you know, that lightning in the bottle, I guess. Right. Yeah. He reminds me a lot uh, analytically, at least of uh, that catcher that the, uh, the A's had in their farm system that they really wanted. I don't know if you, you obviously saw Moneyball, um, that uh, that catcher, I think his name was Brown or something. Anyways, he was a catcher. He, he didn't look like a catcher. He was like 300 pounds, waddled <laughs> down the first baseline, but took a lot of walks. And uh, and but again, in, but in Major League Baseball, it just proves that it's not all about numbers, right? Yeah. It can help you a lot. I'm ecstatic that Derek Fisher is, is gone. Um, and I guess it was, was it Cal Stevenson, I guess, was traded as well. I think that's what I have here in my notes. Yeah. The low-level prospector. Yeah, and, and, you know, the Jays aren't giving up much, and uh, we'll see what uh, what they decide to send back, and you know, in return. Um, sometimes we'll get lucky, because we've been lucky with some of those players to be named later uh, in some of those trades, so it'll be interesting to see what they get. Yeah, we really have, eh? We've gotten some pretty good return for just a couple throw-ins, really. Another uh, Jays news, the Big Maple is now a Seattle Mariner. Are you surprised by that? I, I'm not totally surprised. I knew that the Jays had shown some interest, but you know, we, we hear that almost of every player that's a free agent that the Jays have shown interest in, in, in those guys. But um, I think what happened is 
they had so many lefty starters that signing another one would have just been, you know, like four lefty starters and one righty. It, it would have just been a really um, bad way to set up a starting rotation. And I think that's why they kind of stayed away from him. Yeah, it, it's uh, it was curious to me. I mean, I guess you could always move one of those other guys to the bullpen or to the minors. Um, I mean, I, I like Paxton. I think he's... He's he always pitches well against the Blue Jays. Yeah, we got that no hitter though. <laughs> exactly, right. So, I mean, um, I, I, I like. I, I thought I was a little. To be honest, I'm I'm still disappointed, and we'll get into this now, I guess. Yeah. So the Jays really need a number two starter. They do. Right, and uh, we were talking before the podcast. The only really the only, the only real starter left is Oda Rizzi. Yeah. Really, that's like the a, a big name. Uh, even that is that really. Is he, is he a number two starter? I guess he, he I guess in this rotation, he kind of is. <laughs> so for those of you, obviously we're not, we're not recording this. Uh, we're not video recording this. So it's not, you can't see our faces, but we both had the same, same look. Shoulders went up to our ears and eh. <laughs> I mean, uh, is he number two starter? Well, he's, he is in the Jays rotation, I guess. Uh, I think, I mean, again, I, Paxton, I like, um, I, I wish, I wish, I, it seems to me, and I've read a couple articles by uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith, who covers the Jays for Sportsnet, and Shai Davidi, and it seems that they've been talking, at least on their podcast, uh, is that it appears the Jays are up against, they have a budget, right? And I think they, with the signings they've already made, they're up against that budget, and I, maybe they want to keep it up, and, and I'll let you, I'll hear your thoughts on this. Do you think they're maybe keeping a little bit extra in case the trade deadline comes around and they have a little bit more to spend? Well, and that's possible, right? And they've done that in the past where they haven't spent right up to their budget in the hopes that, you know, like, well, if we can get somebody uh, really decent at the trade deadline, then we have a little bit of uh, space to kind of spend. Um, and we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, there are some trade options. I mean, they do have a lot of catching depth right now and that they can trade from. So maybe there's a move that they're waiting to make somewhere along the lines. Who knows? Right. And Grichik, right. There's an extra outfielder out there. Yeah. If someone wants to take on his contract, please See, take on. Contract. And that's the thing, right. Is they've got a lot of players that deserve full-time at bats. Like Grichik is a full-time outfielder, right. On a lot of teams. And with the Jays, he doesn't slot in as a starter. He slots in as a fourth outfielder, right? So it's, it's not fair to a player who deserves full-time playing time to just be sat on the bench, right? So that's where these types of deals maybe are in the works in the back, right? Yeah, I think uh, you're, and I think you're absolutely, I think Grichik is a, he is an everyday outfield, not for the Jays, I think at the moment. Um, I think he's kind of being the odd man out. I'm just looking at uh, the rotation as it stands now. I mean, we're, we're throwing a lot of stuff against a wall and see if it sticks. I think we have, you know, we have Ryu who's hands down ace, right? Number yeah. one starter, uh, Nate Pearson. I don't think he's your number two starter yet. No, but uh, he's got the makings of being uh, an ace down the line. Ace. Absolutely. Robbie Ray. Which Robbie Ray do you get? <laughs> exactly. If you get Robbie Ray from, you know, two or three years ago, then you've got a, a legit number two there. Steven Matz, same thing. Which Steven Matz do you get? Right. Tanner Rourke, mm. average, I mean, average stuff, average pitcher. Yeah. He's not, definitely not a number two. Ross Stripling, Thomas Hatch. I mean, Hatch looked good last year at the times. Trent Thornton was injured last year. Uh, he appears healthy this year. So I, I like Trent. I like Trent also. Weird delivery. Yeah. He kicks his knees right up to his ears. <laughs> <laughs> He's a... Uh, He's a guy that I had no idea how old he was. I think he's 28, 29. He's like 20 years old. Yeah. I thought he was a lot younger than that. But I think if he comes back healthy and uh, is able to throw his, his off-speed pitches, I mean, the, the bow and spurs are gone from his elbow. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, and and that's something that uh, he was really, you know, starting to put things together uh, at the end of the last year. And, yeah. Uh, and hopefully he can carry that over into the new season, right? Right. I, yeah. And I mean, he's got good stuff. He was, he led the team in innings, what, two years ago. Yeah. Anthony K, TJ Zook. I mean, 
or Zuck or how you, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Zoik. Zoik. There it is. TJ Zoik. I mean, who knows? Maybe these guys have a breakout year. Right. Zoik six seven. So big boy. Maybe he's maybe maybe he has a breakout year and becomes that number two. But as of right now, I don't see a lot of fear in the Blue Jays starting rotation except for Ryu. Right. And and you know they they might also do um, a lot of long mans and swingmans. So they might have a couple of these guys that aren't going to be official starters, but they'll piggyback on some of the other guys that they don't think will go through the lineup as many times, right? Right. Um, one other thing is that um, is that there may be a limit uh, limited innings for Nate Pearson being so young and not having pitched much last year. So if he's limited to let's say 120 innings. Um, then they might have to shorten his starts or skip a couple of starts, and that's where they bring in somebody that still has options, you know, somebody right. that they can bring up and down from the from the minors. Right. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, I didn't even think of that. You're right. I'm, they're, I'm sure they're going to lessen. They're not going to push Nate Pearson this year. I don't. I would imagine, especially with his injury last year. Yeah. So it seems that. Everybody in the Jays has lost weight. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, and I don't cover a lot. I don't watch a lot of other teams. I don't read a lot of articles from other teams, but it seems to me this year, every Blue Jay is in the best shape of their lives. Yeah. And I'm not just talking. So we saw Vlad Jr. We talked about it on our last podcast, some pictures we saw of him. He looked like he dropped a ton of weight. Yeah. And I just saw him. Did you watch the videos? They asked, they have clips of him taking ground balls at third base couple days ago he doesn't look as as thin to me i don't know and i'm not I, who am i to tell who am i to judge uh but uh he doesn't look as 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 in shape i think as i i, I expected him to or as i did two months ago yeah he, he's still a thick boy yeah. yeah and and i don't think we're gonna expect him to go to go down to like you know you know, super fit, like, you know, Josh Donaldson or Jose Bautista or anything like that. Um, I've always pictured him to have that same body type as Kirby Puckett. Right. 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 Where he can be athletic, but still a little thick in the legs and in the, in the rear end area. Yeah. And I, I mean, if, Hey, if he can play first base and or third, I guess. And that's the other thing he's going to, he looks, he looks, he looks like he's playing, taking balls, at least taking, taking balls at third base. Yep. which is uh, more than I thought he would. I thought he'd be, they'd be concentrating on first base. I think he's going to, he might now, he might be taking, he might be playing a few games a third. Yeah, that I uh, watched an interview with uh, Charlie Montoyo and that's what he said. He said that he'll be getting most of his reps at first, but that uh, if they needed to, they would put him at third. You know, if, you know, certain lineups and, and you know, left-handy split, left, uh, lefty-righty splits, you know, played a certain way where you needed Telez playing first and BGO in there as well as as uh, any other left lefties that we have in the lineup. And I really hope they give Telez a chance to bat against lefties. Same. I mean, I, I think he, I, I think he's, he can show that he can do it. And I, I don't know if it's the manager just scared to put a lefty against a lefty in, and it seems that's the, the generation we live in, but. I really hope he gets that chance. And then there's Alejandro Kirk, the captain. Yeah. He looks like he's dropped about 40 pounds. He's looks looking good. good. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, you know, still stocky, but he's he's saying that he's um, he can move around a lot better and he's getting inside the inside pitches a lot more. Right. Yeah. And I guess if you make sense if you're dropping that uh, if you're dropping 40 pounds from your gut, you're probably gonna be able to get around the uh, the inside pitch more. And, and let's be honest, that's where a lot of his weight was. It was around the, the midsection, right? So, right. And that'll make him more mobile. He said that it would uh, improve his, uh, his pop, you know, to, to throw runners out. So that could improve his, his uh, you know, holding of runners on base and so on. So that, that could be a good move for him there as well. And let's face it, now he looks more like a baseball player than a player that plays on our softball team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then there's I mean, Telez. He trimmed down last year. Still looks like he's in shape this year. And even Jansen, Danny Jansen, lost. They said about twenty pounds. Yeah. I don't know where Danny Jansen had twenty pounds to lose. No, I I I didn't see it. I thought he looked pretty good, unless you know he put some weight on and and we just didn't see it. Um, I think they said he's he's lost weight for is it just he's want more he wants more mobility, uh, in the 
catching. Yeah. yeah. I guess whatever works, right? I'm I'm not a major league ball player, I, I would imagine, but he he looks he looks skinny. Yeah. Now. Maybe and I'm sure I guess you put on weight throughout the year. So Well, and you have to remember, uh you remember Russell Martin a couple of years ago. Remember when he lost all that weight and then all of a sudden he just wasn't as durable behind the plate? So he had to put on a little bit of weight. So that's right, yeah. But uh as a uh as a catcher I was reading an article. They were saying like a catcher wakes up in the morning, they meet with their pitchers, they go over the game plan, you know, uh, they watch videos on, you know, different hitters and, and so on. And then they work with individual relievers. And if they bring up a new reliever from the minors, they've got to meet with him, talk with him, find out their tendencies. And so there's a lot of work that takes place just to be able to do the job of being a catcher, which takes away from your conditioning time where when everybody else is working out in the gym and on the treadmills and ellipticals and all that stuff, you're in meetings <laughs> with all your different pitchers and working out game plans. So maybe he was hoping that I'll trim down for spring. And then as the season progresses, I'll start kind of like bulking up a little bit, you know, putting on a little bit of weight. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of uh, a quarterback in football, right? They have the same thing where they're, they're, they're controlling the offense, they got to read defenses. They're in meetings about their offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, wide receivers. They have to know everybody. And catchers are the same thing. And I think so. The talk now is Kirk is probably going to be the backup. I think so. From from what I've from what I've read, what, what do you think about that? I, I think I think so. The article that I read, they were saying that his bat plays at the major league level. So he's ready to go to hit. So the only thing he really needs to work on is his defense, which automatically just starts to improve the moment he lost his 40 or 50 pounds. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I've read the same thing. His, his bat is definitely major league ready and it's now working on his mechanics. It sounds a lot like Danny Jansen. Yeah. Right. Danny Jansen came up as the, he was supposed to be the hard hitting prospect and then he had to work on his catching and then he became, now he's, almost a gold glove catcher <laughs> and he can't hit his weight. Can't hit his, his, weight. his old weight, not his, yeah. not his new weight. But they're still projecting him to get, you know, a fair amount of home runs. So he still has that power in his bat. Oh yeah, so, for sure. I mean, I like Danny. I think same. he's only been around for two years. Well, there's one article that broke down uh, Danny Jansen and the, one of the main issues that he ran into were his fly balls. So he's an extreme fly ball hitter. And due to the launch angle, that fly ball just doesn't have the carry, you know, to get over the outfield walls. And if he makes a minor adjustment in his launch angle, he can be a major power threat. And of course, that would help with the outs that are just being recorded as warning track, you know, little fly balls here and there. And so maybe that's uh, something that they're going to work on with him this summer. That's that's really interesting. I I would like to see Danny put it, yeah have a little bit more pop in his bat. I like to get him just spray the ball around a little bit more than than he is, yeah. Which he's not doing very much of. So you, you, we we both saw I think the interview with Montoya, who's kind of basically laying out what's going to happen here in spring training. And from what I got, they said they're going to give Laddie a look at third base. I mean, I guess you, you have to, especially with him. He's trimmed down now. He's still got a rocket for an arm. Yeah. And Teoscar, they're going to try in left and right, which I don't have an issue with. He's probably equally as bad in both, I guess. Yeah, exactly. He's got an arm, so I, I would say right would be a, a good place to put him. Right. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. I would I would lean more to putting Teoscar in right. And you, you know what? If you're in a pinch and you need someone to play center, I mean, he can play center. He has, right. Right. But they're looking at my the really interesting take I got from this was that they're gonna try Guriel at first base, and he's even at third. At third, I saw that. What do you think of that? I I don't I don't like it. <laughs> so the, I'll tell you why. The reason the reason I think it it's it's not that great of an idea. Like I like the idea that you got all this flexibility, but right. at so, at some point you run into the issue where a person doesn't feel comfortable in any position, right? So Guriel started as an infielder. So we know he can play infield until he got the yips. <laughs> um, and then they moved him in the outfield and it took him a little while to kind of get acclimated to playing left field. 
but he became a really good left fielder. So if they wanted to try something with Guriel, I would say maybe try him at center as well, rather than infield. Right. I don't, I don't, I, when Chuck Knobloch had that issue from throwing from second to first, they didn't say, Oh, you know what, Chuck, we're going to throw you in left field for a couple of years. And then we're going to try it back at third base. Remember the nightmares you had at second? Yeah. Well, let's make it worse and put you to third because it's a farther throw. I, I, I don't understand the logic. I, I don't either. I don't. Like first K, first base. Fine. You know, I, I don't have a problem. You want to yeah. try him out for him and his brother plays first base uh, in, in Houston. So sure. Why not? I don't, but I, he's, he was, was he nominated for a gold glove in left field? I think so. Or he was, he was one of the top defensive outfielders a couple of years ago. I just like, I, I'd love to, I would love to have a chat with, with Montoya and say, what are you thinking? I know. What is it? Like, why? Leave well enough alone. Exactly. Enough good fielders to be. Exactly. So he's, he's a good outfielder. Let him get better in the outfield. And, and maybe try him at center because center is a position where we don't have a lot of backups, right? Like let's say right now, let's say, you know, Springer gets injured and we deal Grichuk. Well, you've got Teoscar as your only option to play center. Right. Or whoever you bring up from the minors. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, whatever scrub we can get. <laughs> right. Uh, so, but at the very least, if Jonathan, you, Jonathan Davis, yeah, or you put, or you try Bijou in center, which is, is that really fair to Bijou? It isn't. It isn't. But I would rather have Guriel get cust- accustomed to playing a little bit of center field and then having Bijou take a, a spot in left field. Right? At the worst. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, exactly, that's exactly my point. I think I, I just, just leave well enough alone. Yeah. I mean, we, like I said, we don't have enough good fielders to begin with why are we messing around with yeah. putting Guriel at first or third and why first we've got like 10 guys that could play first <laughs> it's like it's like our softball team <laughs> we have all these right fielders and first basemen like we why, why keep why why log jam that entire that that one side of the diamond i don't yeah. there's got to be a reason to it i'm just i'm just not seeing it if and if you have a reason for us you can email us at Oh, uh, fans from the stands. Sorry, that was a that was, that was a cute iron. <laughs> fans from the stands at gmail.com. Fans from the stands at gmail.com. So if you have any questions, you want to make a comment, be, feel free to email us. We'd love to get your take. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, players that have come into shape, apparently, and I didn't know this, Boba Shett needed to get in better shape. Right. I hear. From what I heard, he like worked out his legs. He must have did a lot of squats because they right. said that he came in and his legs were huge. And I've I don't play shortstop in the major league level. I played it for a year at the softball level. I don't. Where does I guess squats to help you get down on the ball? I guess. I, I guess better. I don't know. Uh, Give him some speed. And I would imagine he must be coming in with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, right? Yeah. They they looked at they were like this close and right now I'm I'm like a little millimeter my between my thumb and my my index finger they're a millimeter away from getting Francisco Lindor they were uh, they got Simeon to play second yeah so it looks like and they were checking in on they were I think they were looking even looking at uh, who's that shortstop for the Yankees used to have um, uh, Didi Gregorius yeah Didi yeah they looked in they looked in on him as well. So it looks like the Jays aren't sold on Bo playing shortstop. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, they Simeon is a Gold Glove caliber shortstop, and the fact that they're going to move him to second is showing Bo that they're going to give him that opportunity. Um, maybe he worked out more because he was dealing with leg injuries over the last few years. It could be right. That's a good. That's a great point. I I, I watched Bo. I and to be honest, I like I like Bo Bichette. I think he's a, a fantastic hitter, and he's I think he's an adequate shortstop. I think he'd be a fantastic second baseman. I just when I watch him play, he he's not as smooth, right? We've 
Right. And I think we've been blessed in Toronto with smooth shortstops from Tony Fernandez to even Alex Gonzalez. Yep. There's a blast in the past. (laughs) Showing Uh, our age. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, So we've been, you know, we've been, we've had, who was a shortstop before Bo? Um, Troy Troy Tulowski. See, again, like we've been blessed with really good defensive shortstops. And I just, Bo just looks a little awkward. And maybe, hey, maybe these squats, maybe these these thick legs like a speed skater will uh, turn out to be what it needs to be. And he'll be a gold glove shortstop. And let's remember, Marcus Simeon wasn't always a gold glove shortstop. Nope. to work at it too right he was he was actually very defensively deficient before he worked on it in a few years and then he became and so you know what you never know maybe bo does bo does bo does play shortstop bo bo knows baseball yeah and they're and they're drawing a lot of comparisons to him and fernando tatis jr okay so maybe he's got that chip because fernando tatis is an elite defensive shortstop so maybe he's thinking, if I want to got that, I want to get that big contract, and I want to, you know, maintain that that comparison. I need to improve my defense, and maybe this is the year where he shows us that. And I, speaking of Fernando Tatis, and I read an article a little bit about circling on this Vladimir Guerrero, how he's a little bit. He's always been compared with Fernando, right? Tatis. I mean, yeah. they they came up at the same exact time. They were both highly touted, as, and it was actually Vlad who was the higher, highly touted, the more highly touted prospect than Tatis was. And Tatis is just kind of blowing him out of the water. Yeah. Uh, so I think, from what I read, it's I'm picturing that meme with uh, Michael Jordan sitting on a chair, and he says, "And I took that personal." Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I can see. Vlad now taking that a little bit personal and I hope it does. I hope yes. he, that lights a, I hope that lights a fire under him and 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 that and that's shown like to really, you know, give that motivation to to you know, to Vladdy this winter. He worked out hard. We saw the change and he actually started working out last summer. So if you saw him in July at second spring training or in in June at second spring training, um he had put on a lot of weight. So he comes right. in, you know, he was probably close to the 265, 270 range. <laughs> right. He, he was he was big. Um, <laughs> but then when you look at some of the uh, pictures that were taken during the August September oh. playoff, he had lost a lot of weight throughout the season. So if you look at July of Vladi to October of Vladi, there is a big difference. So he had started losing that weight and that, and that just carried through throughout the winter. So I'm just happy to see that. Yeah. I'm happy. I, I remember this, this whole thing. It was like groundhog day when spring training started. Cause we, we, we heard the whole thing about Vladdy lost weight last year. And then, was, and then he found it again yeah. when he came back to spring training. Um, so I'm yeah, you're right. I'm glad he's still slimmed down as much as he has. And, I really hope, and I think I know. To be honest, if that was me, and it was, and I was in Vlad's shoes, yeah, I'd be a little, I'd be a little miffed too, because yeah. my career isn't going the way that I wanted it to, and it's it certainly has for Tatis. Yeah. So speaking of speaking of Tatis, we'll now move to our uh, a new segment we have here called Around the Horn. We didn't get a chance to do it in our first uh, our first podcast because we we're just we we're just getting started. So Around the Horn, we're going to talk about. You know, things that are happening just in not specifically Jays, but around the game of baseball. So let's talk a little bit about Tatis Jr.'s contract extension. What a contract, what, eh? What and what I'm trying to I'm trying to word this properly. So I'll I'll you know what I'll just I'll ask you, why do you think they they extended him now? Well, I think he's shown um over the last two years that he's a consistent player right so he doesn't really go into those big slumps and then you know comes back up and and plays well and then goes into slumps he's just a constant he goes out there he gets hits and he plays solid defense day in day out week in week out i just i I agree with you i agree with everything you're saying i just don't understand why they gave him a contract extension 
when they still had four years of control over him and not even a little, like not like a 14, 14 year, 340 million extension. Yep. That can't be right. 14 yep. years, 14 years. Like it just doesn't sound, doesn't, doesn't really roll off the tongue. 14 years, $340 million. I mean, and I, I agree if anybody's worth it, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is worth it. He's at your premium position, yep. short. He hits for power. He hits for – he gets on Average. base. Yep. Yeah, he, he, steal, he even steals bags. I mean, last year, what did he bat? 277, but Jack 17 home runs in only, you know, 59 games. Yeah. year before that, batted three, over 300, 22 home runs. I mean, they, he, he's, it, he's a stop. On base is over 360. I mean, it's, it's incredible. He's, he's got it all. But I, I, I don't understand why you give him this extension when you still have four years of control on him. So I think what they've done is, so if you look at his average annual, it's about 24 and change, 24 million and change, mm -hmm. which is way less than what some of our stars are getting nowadays. So in four years, <laughs> What's that, you know, superstar contract? Is it 40 million, 45 million, right? So I think that's right. where they wanted to kind of, let's lock them in at 25, let's say, let's just round it up to 25 million a year. You're getting good value for the level of player that you're getting. And you've locked them in for 10 years beyond his contract or his, uh, his controllability. I, I, I agree. I guess I'm just playing... You know, I'm trying to think of the general manager's head here. I'm trying to get inside it thinking if I have four years control over a guy at, you know, the minimum league minimum, and I can plug some players around him for a while, we can build a really, a really good team. And they do have a good team. I mean, I think their infield is probably the most expensive infield. Right. Infield <laughs> uh, and uh, so, I mean, and I get it. I, I, what I don't like, it's it's completely selfish for a Jays fan is that now it puts the Jays in a position of, you know, do we, do we get that extension to Bo Bichette? Yeah. And I, I think they've asked him, I think they asked him yesterday if he had a con any contract talks and they said they have just no numbers been brought up or anything. Right. So, so the, the I, I looked at the, at, at the two players. So I looked at Vlad's, you know, numbers versus Tatis's numbers. Tatis has almost twice as many at-bats and their average is about the same, but his uh, RAR is more than double Bichette's, right? So there's that number to kind of play in there. Right. So, so, what's, maybe, what's, what's, so for those who don't know, what's, what's RAR? RAR is uh, wins above replacement. So a player who has one win above replacement is just above average, you know, replacement player. So right. a replacement player would be just, uh, you know, somebody who's good enough to play in the majors, maybe too good to play in triple a, he's just your average guy. Right. And uh, every win you get above replacement is, you know, getting you closer to a superstar elite player. So a superstar elite player is anywhere between six and eight wins above replacement. So like Mike Trout, yeah, Mike Trout. So I'm, and I'm just curious what Mike Trout's war is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hazard a guess. It's got to be over nine. <laughs> well, let's take a peek here. So last season, it threw the numbers kind of uh, in kind a of mess. Off, eh? Yeah. So the, his actually, the last season, his, uh, his war was 1.9. Oh, okay, that's, that was 2020. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So his right. career is is 74. Um, but if you look at Trout during his peak years, well, he's still in his peak. He just had a, you know, he wasn't as good last year as he was uh, in previous seasons. Yeah. But uh, Trout had two 10 plus WAR seasons, three, three of them. Hmm. So he's. Okay. Yeah, and he's like, you know, averaging like he had 10.5, 8.9, 9.6, 10.5, 6.7, 10.8. And last year he was, you know, slightly down, but we had a shortened season, so you can't really, you know. Can't really equate it, right? Equate it, yeah. Yeah. The, the other the really interesting thing about 
Fernando Tatis's contract is that when it expires, it'll be the same year that Bobby Bonilla's contract <laughs> expires. Last payout with the Mets will be. That's incredible. And just so those of you who don't know who Bobby Bonilla is, because if you're born before the year 2000, you won't know. Bobby Bonilla played for the Mets, and his last year was 2000, and they bought out his contract. So I did a little research because I, I was so curious as to why this happened. Like, what? How did Bobby Bonilla end up getting paid or still get paid to almost 20 years after? Or well, actually, it is now what 21 years after he stopped playing. So it turns out the Mets wanted to buy out his contract, but, but he was being Bonilla was being represented by a, a really good agent who's also in the insurance game. So he, he, they said, yeah, you can buy the contract, but it'd be over 8% over. And then this is where it gets technical and I don't really understand it, but basically it's 8% of the gross that they had to buy it up for year and pay year after year until the gross gets paid out. So he make almost like 8% interest on his contract. <laughs> and in, I guess they said, people looked at it and said, well, is there, is it, is it really, it's like, is he, is he really getting paid more than he should? And I guess how they just bought it out and paid it all out, he would have got 14 million or something ridiculous like that. And instead now he's made over $24 million, not playing a single game of baseball. Yeah. He makes what about one in 1.2 million every year or something. 1.2 million every year. And I don't know what date is, but they call it Bobby Bonilla day. Because he always gets that check from the Mets. <laughs> so when Tatis finishes his 14-year contract, Bobby Benia's contract will finally be off the books for the Mets. I think that's that's incredible. That's funny. And, uh, and another story from around the league that we didn't get to last year, Trevor Bauer finally gets signed. Yeah. What did you think of that? Well, it's it's a very interesting contract. So Trevor Bauer never was one for long-term contracts because he was always the one saying that he was just going to sign the one-year contracts and, and just kind of play it by ear that way. Um, but he opted for a three-year contract, three-year, $102 million, which works out to... Well, the first two years are, are 40 and $45 million or $44 million. And then after the rest of that gets kind of paid out in the third year and he's got an opt out, so he can opt out of it as well. So it's just, that would make him the highest paid player per year. And do you, and are you, cause I'll, I'll talk about my thoughts after this. <laughs> are you glad the Jays didn't go after him? Are you, are you, are you, you wish they had? Well, I don't want him spending all that money on one guy. I, I, I don't like, Trevor Bauer as a person, I don't think he's a good dude at all. I think he's very egotistical and he just seems to always have a chip on his shoulder and just always angry at everybody. Um, but uh, he's a heck of a pitcher and he seems to have found his groove over the last few years. So, you know, and that's, and that's the thing, right? And I, I think, and we talked about this after our podcast last week, I, I am extremely happy the Jays didn't go after Trevor Bauer. I think he is the most overrated pitcher. <laughs> uh, I, I, if you look at his numbers, when he was in Cincinnati in 2019, he was 6-7 and seven with a 424 ERA. 2018 with Washington, he was 9-15 and 15 with a 434 ERA. So that's, sorry, that's, sorry, that's Tanner Rourke, which... Now I'll talk to Coach Trevor Bauer in 2019 <laughs> with Cleveland. Good year, 12 and 6, 221 ERA. But the year before that, 17 and 9 with a 419 ERA. The year before that, 12 and 8 with a 426 ERA. Those numbers sound awfully lot, an awful lot like Tanner Rourke. Yeah. But that being said, last year, 5 and 4 with a 173 ERA. And I, so I, I think you know why. Yes. What caused what caused this dramatic decrease in ERA? He's basically admitted to cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so Trevor Bauer has been very outspoken about cheating in the game. Uh, he's always said that the Houston Astro pitchers are using a substance to get a better grip on the ball, which in turn allows the pitcher to prov provide more backspin 
or you know uh you know ball rotation are you are you telling me that houston astros are cheating that's i think i think that's what i'm saying i don't believe it (laughs) um and and he's kind of pointed fingers at very specific pitchers that have markedly improved their spin their uh their ball rotation or spin rate rate. um, after joining the Astros. And he in turn has developed his own sticky substance to put on the ball and his spin rate from 2018 or 2019 to 2020 jumped up uh, over 300 RPMs. Which I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume, and I don't know anything about spin rate or, and, I'm going to assume that's almost impossible just to figure it out all of a yeah. sudden. Mechanically, you can't really. Like, so Trevor Bauer writes a lot of articles for the Players' Tribune and stuff like that. And he's basically studied the crap out of spin rate and, and how to improve spin rate. And he says, once you become an elite pitcher, it's impossible to change your mechanics to improve your spin rate. He says the only way to gain that advantage is to provide more grip on the ball. So that's what he's basically kind of come to the conclusion. And from what I can see, he's kind of proven that right. And he's kind of being tongue in cheek about it, which is funny. <laughs> it, it's, and it's, you know, and it's funny, Major League Baseball, we, we, we just went through this whole steroid era, mm-hmm. right? Like we just, now we've, and now we've just gone through this trash can banging fiasco and there's a, here's a guy, and you, and you nailed it on the head, that said, I'm cheating, everybody. Look at me. Big, you know, flashing lights. Yep. Hello. I'm cheating. But Major League Baseball isn't going to do a thing about it. And well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen until some article gets published. Someone actually brings it forward and... There's going to be this whole big to-do again. Well, they fired that poor uh, clubhouse attendant in uh, L.A., the the, uh, the angels right so he was you know dr sticky substance that was producing all this stuff for different pitchers it sounds like an x-rated movie i know right <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to be known as dr sticky substance <laughs> wow that's in yeah and it, you know what and if he did it works out for the dodgers and that's a scary rotation now yeah I mean, that's, and as much as I don't like Trevor Bauer, I think that rotation has got to be. That's killer. That's killer. I mean, we imagine facing that in the playoffs. Well, you've got Cranky, Bueller, Price, Trevor Bauer, Julio Urias. And Kershaw. And Kershaw. Oh, did I say, I said Cranky instead of Kershaw. Yeah. So I meant, I meant Kershaw. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, and Kershaw is probably not your, your ace anymore. Right. He's, he's, he's getting, yeah, he's getting a little bit older, but you know what? He turned his season around last year. He did well. Yeah, yeah he really did. And I mean, I, I like, I mean, he's a, another lefty, right? Yeah. An S kind of guy. He gets, he used to get crushed in the playoffs, but he figured it out last year. Yeah. Another uh, interesting thing that came over the baseball wire, JT Rumulato. Is that how you pronounce the name? Real, real, Rumulato? Yeah. Rumulato. Uh, broke his thumb. Yeah, broke his thumb. So there's a guy that just signed a what it was a four-year contract, I think he signed. Yeah, something like that. It's uh, you know, it's sad for the team that you know that just signs Phillies, this just, this new yeah. uh, <laughs> new free agent. Let's give him a big contract and <laughs> breaks his thumb. Yeah. He's out for six weeks. Yeah, and and you hope. I mean, uh, from the I heard uh, I heard him talk about the injury itself, and apparently it's it's not like he was still able to bat. And then he went for an MRI just to check it out. And you know, apparently it was, it was, it was broken, but so I guess I don't think it's going to hinder him that much. I think it will hinder him a bit learning the, the, the pitchers and spring training and always that timing, right? You're worried about yeah. get, they got that timing done and that timing and, down at least. And catchers and thumbs, man, like that's where the pitch hits you all the time. Right. Right. If you don't, right. you know, catch that breaking ball correctly, it hits you right in the thumb. And it'll, it'll, yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll remind you it was broken every time. I <laughs> yeah. so I'm speaking from experience. I used to be a, uh, a catcher back in little league days. So back when the umpire would move me around to catch them all. <laughs> um, and I guess continuing around the horn, we have uh, there's their major league baseball has basically this, and this is how I take it. Major league baseball has admitted 
that their balls were flying farther. So now they're going to reduce the flight in their balls. So basically they're going to pre 2017 balls. Right. Right. Apparently. <laughs> so and this is an, and so I read, I was really curious about this because I'm, I'm a baseball nerd. And what they said was what they're going to do in this factory in Costa Rica, where Rawlings has their balls made, the third level of wool that's sewn around the ball is going to be less tight. So I guess that's, that's, the, that's the solution. And apparently this is going to stop the ball from flying, like they said, two to three feet, which is pretty big. Yeah. Um, so that's, to me, that was pretty incredible. I thought, uh, and I guess uh, uh, Hugh Darvish said he's already noticed a difference. Yeah. He said he picked up the ball and it felt bigger. And I guess I imagine if it's not wound as tight, yeah, it's going to feel a little bit bigger in your hand. And and that's what they were, a lot of pitchers said it. Right. When the, those balls came out, they're like, they feel smaller, they feel smoother because the seam wasn't raised as much. Right. And... and- that's a that's a big deal for those pitchers because the seam is what provides you that movement. And we we're just we we're just talking about spin rate, right? So right. if you can't get a good grip on that seam, your spin rate's going to be less. And you can't tell me Major League Baseball didn't know this. Like, is there nobody? No one's down in Costa Rica checking out the balls before they get sent out. Well, they investigated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen Major League Baseball's investigations before. Mm-hmm. It, it amounts to a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of glad. Uh, it, it's kind of like a mea culpa. I mean, if you didn't know, MLB owns a major part of Rawlings. All right. So they um, they had a big say in how the balls were being made. So it's it's something that I'm glad that they just kind of said, yep, our bad. Uh, let's fix this. And on another note with the balls, apparently, and they haven't released this yet, four other teams. So apparently four teams now are using a humidor. Uh, Boston's one of them. And obviously Colorado and that yeah. humidor, for those of you who aren't, uh, who aren't privy to this, but humidors obviously increase humidity. Uh, so some dampness in the ball, increase the weight so it won't fly as far, right? And they really, they started this in Colorado due to the thin air, the thin air and the, the amount of balls are being hit out, hit around actually. So they, four other major league baseball teams are going to start using a humidor, but they haven't announced who yet. So I'm, I'm gonna- curious if that's going to be, the Blue Jays, especially if they're going to be playing in Dunedin. So that's interesting. So Dunedin's pretty humid. Yeah. But I'm thinking more like teams like um, Texas. Oh, right. Yeah. Where you got that dry heat. Dry air. Maybe yeah. Arizona, things like that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, I mean, it's uh, it worked well for Colorado because it really dampened the amount of balls that were flying. And it's still known as a hitter's ballpark. So the fact that you know, that's kind of, you know, helped with that a little bit. And it's a, I mean, Colorado has always been a really interesting ballpark, right? It is, it was the first one really in, in thin air when we didn't, people obviously had an idea the balls are going to fly out. They didn't know how much, and it wasn't always the, the home runs. I mean, Dante Bichette became a, almost a hall of famer, I guess, if he's not, <laughs> if he's not one or soon to be in the future, Larry Walker. I mean, Larry Walker was a great a uh, great player before he went to Colorado, but then Colorado just elevated his, his status. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it, so I, it was, they started this whole humidor thing and I think, you know, it will be really with this new ball that's going to be put in play and add a humidor to that. It'd be nice to see. And they were talking with um, Joe Madden, the new manager of the angels. And he was saying that it's going to change. It's going to change baseball. It's going to change the way you, you, you play now because if there's less balls being put out out of the yard, that whole home run or nothing is going to, is going to change. Yeah. It's going to be back to not, I don't think it's gonna be ever like the dead ball era where no home runs, but just hit the ball around, but it'll, you're going to have to put the ball in play. I just hope that it doesn't mean that there's going to be a bunch of shifts because I think the shift is really killing the game. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. The shift uh, maybe we can get into it more next week. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're, a, and I, I, th- I think you're more of a purist. Uh, I'm a purist for sure. My thoughts on the shift is that it, it shouldn't exist. I don't think that was, see, I have an issue with, you know, there was, this game was made over a hundred years ago. 
and it was made with a, a guy on third playing third base, a shortstop playing between second and third, a second baseman between second between second and first, and a first baseman. The intention was never to have an extra guy over on the right. Otherwise, they would have created that position. Exactly. Right? Uh, so, I mean, I I wish Major League Baseball would just outlaw the shift. And I know people are going to say, well, you can just you, then hit the other way. Well, you hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball inside the other way. Right. And it, it skews, I mean, yeah, you can call it strategy. I don't, it, it skews, it, it's, it skews games. It skews, I mean, a line drive hit, I, 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 what should be a base hit is now being grabbed by the second fielder, sorry, second baseman who's playing shallow right. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I I don't think they can they would outlaw it entirely, but what I would like to see is a line behind second base where the shortstop can't cross it, and it might not be a direct line like straight towards center field, but it might be just a little bit over, so right. that maybe he's playing a little bit on the on the other side of left or uh, on the other side of the second base bag but he's not all the way over where the second baseman is and then the second baseman's playing in shallow right right yeah exactly I, it's it, to me it's and I, I have the same issue with basketball sorry basketball fans i mean I think the game wasn't invented for guys who thought they're gonna be averaging now six foot seven to me the to me the net should be up another half foot or foot <laughs> Well, like really, the, the, to be to be honest, I think that the intention of the game was to, you know, was to shoot the ball in the net, not to have guys just stand under it and, and dunk. But whatever, I'm going to turn into to Sid from Tim and Sid and get on a rant. Uh, so I guess we'll move on. I, well, well, I know more stuff around the league this year is going to be again seven inning double headers. Yes, I'm all for it. I, I think. Um, We've played all-day tournaments, and we know the toll it takes on a human body to be on a field for that long. Um, and I know that we're not elite athletes by any stretch of the imagination. What? But, um, yeah, we can feel that toll on our body. So do you imagine um, being on a concrete outfield, like in the Rogers Centre? Right. For a doubleheader. And I know we don't have a lot of doubleheaders in Toronto because we have the roof, but, um, you know, you, you have you know, it's, it's not a comfortable thing to do. So you shorten the game and, and it really just, you know, gets the guys, uh, it keeps them fresh. And I think along with that, there are they, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're still going to continue with the runner on second base. Yep. As part of the 10th inning. And, and, and it, here's, here's me con- totally contradicting what I just said before. I'm a purist <laughs> of the game, but I agree. I 100% agree. People call it a softball rule. Fine. Call whatever you want baseball's got a huge issue with keeping people interested yeah and the games go shorter you're not going to have a 21 inning game at least you shouldn't you're not going to have uh Grichik coming out from right field to pitch pitching inning which is you know yeah it's fun it's all fun until you watch the guy hurt his elbow exactly right and then you know then it w- oh, maybe it wasn't a good idea after all I mean, yeah, it's fun to see an out-of-position player pitch once in a while, and I'm sure and that'll still happen in blowouts, right? But yep. no one wants to watch. I don't want to watch a 21-inning game. I even I love baseball, and that's why we're doing this podcast. But I don't want to watch a 21, and I probably won't. No, and and the reason that is is because by the time you get to that like you know that 18th inning, you you've got the worst players on the team on the field, the yep. worst pitchers in the bullpen playing. <laughs> Yeah, if you still have pitchers available, yeah. um, so it it just becomes it just becomes a, a, a schmoz at that point. So yeah, I think we both agree that you know we're all for this this new rule absolutely. Um, our last our last segment uh, we didn't get to again last last week but we told you about it will be blue chips and dip. So our blue chipper prospects here in Toronto, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about them every week. We'll pick out a new player. And this week, we're going to start out with Big Nate Pearson. Yep, Big Nate. 100 mile an hour, man. 104 miles an hour in the minor leagues. He's, yep. I was excited last year to see him pitch in the majors. And he didn't really... Uh, I'm not a scout. He didn't really impress me a lot the first couple of games. And I think like if I was that age too, which he is 24... 
So he was 23 when he started his major league career. You're going to be nervous. But man, in the playoffs, if we get that Nate Pearson, we'll be okay. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I think he is, um, he's a star in the making. And uh, I'm just hoping that he takes that step forward. You know, where you see the, the, you know, that rookie comes in, has an okay season, you know, he shows some flashes of brilliance here and there. And then the next year he comes in and just really cements himself as that, that go-to guy. And he, he wants, from the reports I've seen or in the articles I've read, he wants to be that go-to guy. It seems to me he's like, he's modeling himself after Roy Halladay. Yeah. And if you're going to pick a pitcher to model yourself after, as long as it doesn't fly, you know, is that too soon? (laughs) <laughs> oh <laughs> if if you're gonna model yourself after any pitcher be roy holiday yeah i mean it would be awesome to see nate take the ball and i don't think it's ever gonna happen where he's gonna pitch as many complete games that just doesn't happen anymore but uh they the work ethic at least yep. yeah be that be that guy be that guy and i think i think probably in two years so he'll be 26 years old i think he'll be the ace of the jays i think so I think so too. And by that point, um, some of the other young guys that will talk at other uh, blue chips and dip yeah. um, will come into the, into the play and, and then we'll have a nice starting rotation because I'm seeing a lot of good pitching prospects in the Jays organization. Good pitching. Yeah. And we'll, there's, there's one, there's one and we'll, we'll keep you in suspense till next week. There's one I really like. They've shown them a, a lot um, these past, past week, I guess for spring training clips. And he, he looks like a beast. Yeah, he'll be good. And just not even just pitching, but the Jays have a good influx of just, it's like they're going to turn over and have superstar after superstar. Hopefully. Exactly. Like their, their, their depth in their minor league system is just unreal. You know, you're talking Josh Gorshin, you're talking Austin Martin, you're talking, you know, uh, Alex TJ's Manoa. Alex that's, Manoa, TJ like yeah. Richardson, uh, Simon, Simeon, Richardson, Rich, Richardson Wood. Yeah, like th- these kids are all top tier prospects, and, and they're even really safe for that. I mean, and we'll, and we'll get into it. I'm sure down the road we'll talk a little bit more. But Woods, Richardson Woods, apparently he's almost major league ready. Yeah, and he's 21, 22, 21, 21 years old. Makes <laughs> that 20 years old. It's rare for pitchers like, to come in at that at that age. I, and that's the, so to, so we have Nate, Nate Pearson will be a future ace. We'll still have Bo Bichette. Maybe he'll be signed to a 14 year contract by by that point. Uh, You know, you still have Biggio, you have, and hopefully Vlad turns it around, but you're, but didn't just, you said Groshman's. Groshman's, yeah. uh, Austin Martin. Yeah. Martin. Yeah. Austin Martin. I mean, there is, we have some good kids coming up. Yeah. And it's, there's it not going to be that lull, right? I don't think so, at least. And then nothing to say about making trades or picking up free agents. Exactly. So I think even Telez, Telez isn't old. No, he's 25. 25 years old. <laughs> I, I Dan, really. Danny Jensen's love, 25. Yeah. And then uh, Kirk is what, 21? I mean, these guys are babies. Right? Yep. And they're already talking. And then Bobby Shedd already talked yesterday about, uh, you know, if they don't come back with a, the trophy this year would be disappointing like oh, <laughs> i love the i love the enthusiasm but let's just pump the brakes a little bit bull I mean, yeah you got you got a lot of competition out there in especially the american league east but you know what if things go right see and, and the thing is that you you look at bichette and i love the i love the confidence i mean they got a taste of the playoffs last year of course they got swept <laughs> but, against the wall it's the to the team that went to the world series exactly yeah and and you're and he's probably seen some of these prospects play in the minors as he was working his way through, right? So he's seen some of these young kids come in, and he knows the kind of talent that they have in the minors. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's got it's an exciting time to be to be Blue Jay fans. So on that note, I think we're gonna call it a show. Yep. Again, if you have any uh, questions or you want to make some comments, you can email us at you email us at fansfromthestands at gmail.com. We're getting better at it. Uh, yeah, and we'll uh, gladly take some uh, some questions uh, next week. And uh, we'll see what happens in the next week of spring training. And hopefully 
nobody gets hurt. I'm crossing my fingers. That's you can't see. That's always the big part, eh? Just stay healthy. And I think stay the Jays healthy. play next Saturday. When do they play? Saturday? The 28th against the Yankees. Yeah. So that'll be, is it televised? I don't think we know yet. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think from what I read, uh, Jamie Campbell tweeted today that uh, they're going to be announcing that very soon. So I would imagine if you're Rogers and you're, you own the Blue Jays and you want to build the brand, I'll be televising some games. Yeah, when they're that's but usually they they would do that like when they had their their successful seasons in 2015 and stuff. That's when they started televising a whole bunch of spring training games just to kind of get this the fan base kind of pumped up for the season. And I guess there's going to be some fans in the stands too because it's Florida and the from what I'm told the uh, restrictions are are lowered a lot and vaccines are rolling out. Yeah, 65 million vaccines in the U.S. So that's amazing. Could you imagine if Canada fit in there? Yeah. <laughs> anyways we will get political yeah. anyways, thanks, for, thanks for joining us everybody and we'll uh, see you next week alright have a good one